Yesterday we had a funeral here and watched some interplay between people, seeing folks they hadn't seen in a good while. I saw a number of hugs, handshakes, chats. It was refreshing. It was refreshing. Relationships are important. I'm thankful that we have the pastor we have, who is our Sunday school teacher. And uh, this morning, as we talked about things that are irritating and things that are fine, we found a few opportunities for the pastor to say, well, here's what the scripture says, but stay tuned because there's more to come. So I'm here to remind our Sunday school members, listen for the more to come. Will you stand with me for the scripture, please? We visit again Romans 12, picking up verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay evil, repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge. My friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Now, that's not the justification for <laughs> Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Thank you for your attention to this word of the Lord. Thank you, Gail. Um, when we have weather like this, we always pray that the snow will come in the middle of the week. At our house, we pray that anyway, because we tend to take a hit on Sunday morning when when uh, the night before it snows and it's cold and the road, road is slick. So you guys can stay home next Sunday and I'll preach this same sermon to the group that wasn't here today. What? You, probably not. You, the, the, the thing about it now is you can get it online or we can send a CD. and So uh, it's available anyway. You, you are going to hear this same passage of Scripture read uh, for two more weeks. This is going to be a three-part series just on verses... Uh, 14 through 21. There's a lot of stuff here. Um, so this is part one today. I think I've got about eight or nine points. Not today, but in the totality. I know you guys are saying, man, we won't be out of here till three o'clock. Um, uh, so we'll, we'll look at a couple of those points today and then, um, in succeeding weeks we'll, we'll touch on the rest of this. Uh, Paul, in Romans, the book of Romans is writing to a community of believers that was that really made up only a small segment of the total population, and who were subject to the edicts of pagan emperors. 
and persecution by any who disagreed with them. Christianity is still very new at this point and, and is seen by many as a threat to the prevailing pagan religions and as well as a threat to traditional Judaism. So they kind of caught it from all sides. As a result, many of the first century believers, and especially those in Rome, dealt with various forms of per- persecution on a regular basis. Paul, aware of this, gives counsel on dealing with this unavoidable reality. His advice has everything to do with following Christ's example and refusing to escalate um, a situation by retaliating when persecuted. No problem. Easy to do. No. A challenge we must all deal with is people problems. A challenge we must all deal with is people problems. If you're anything but an absolute hermit, you must deal with people problems. And even hermits have to deal with themselves, don't they? So that's a people problem too. Some of the greatest challenges we face are those involving criticism, unfair treatment, offenses, wrongs done to us, hurts we suffer, and those times when we were taken advantage of. And we've all experienced one or more, maybe all of those things. So how does sincere love, which remember is how we open this, uh, this section in, in uh, Romans chapter 12, how does sincere love deal or respond in these circumstances when they come our way? What difference does a trans formed life and renewed mind make when we deal with people who do these things to us. Talk about something supernatural to respond appropriately with grace, love, and patience. Well, the scriptures tell us that the only way that can really happen is through the power of the Holy Spirit. That is the only way. You may succeed on occasion, in your own strength of will, but to respond consistently in the way today's text calls for is nothing less than divine. Anyone here bat a thousand on this, these issues? I know I don't. Do you ever find yourself responding in the flesh? I do. The problem with responding that way is that it only compounds the problem. Paul makes it pretty clear the dangers of living in the flesh. He tells us in Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger... Rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Talk about an unsavory list. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those things, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Notice how many of these things have to do with relational turmoil or even just what we might call total meltdown. 
Jesus warned that the life of the Christian in this world would not be easy. We kind of wish it wasn't that way, don't we? You know, the odor of roses in the air all the time and birds singing in the trees, and we just kind of, ah, I know Jesus, so I just kind of float through life on a cloud. That's not the way it is. John fifteen twenty. Remember the words I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. Jesus speaking here. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 through 12. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets. Oh, for, excuse me, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. By the way, looking at what the scripture says today, what we've read already, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you. I think there ha- that has a lot to do with our response as well. If we respond wrongly in those situations, I'm not sure we can expect a blessing. What do you think? John 16:33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. Jesus said, I have overcome the world. And Paul echoed the same truth in 2 Timothy 3.12, where he said, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And read the Psalms and see how often David laments about betrayal and mistreatment. So, how do we respond when we're treated in these ways, or mistreated in these ways? Well, the scripture provides clear guidance to the godly path, to a godly path through these situations. Matthew chapter 5 again, verses 43 through 48. You have heard heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son, S-U-N, to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. By the way, I think in this passage, rain is seen as a blessing. Okay? If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So, how does a child of God, a saint, an ambassador of Christ, respond to difficult people? Well, Paul draws the Roman believers a fairly complete picture that runs pretty much contrary 
to how we might naturally respond in the flesh to difficult people. In fact, it runs contrary to what most people would tell you about how you should respond to difficult people. And I'm sorry to say that even among Christians, it's often uh, true that we don't respond anywhere near what we will find written here in the face of attack. We just don't always respond this well. Because the automatic or flesh reaction to encounters, encounters with difficult people tend to go this way. We say bad things about them. Or we take pleasure in their suffering or we resent their success. Or we ignore and avoid them, if at all possible. Or we convince ourselves how much better we are than they are. Or we do to them as they have done to us. In other words, we return evil for evil. Or we instigate things that we know will bother and irritate them. Or we make no effort to make peace. We wait for them to come to us. Or we figure out some way to get our pound of flesh. Or we allow thoughts of what they did to consume us and eventually conquer us. Thank God for Celebrate Recovery. A man went into the preaching ministry, worked for seven years, then resigned to go back to medical school and become a doctor. He came to the conclusion that people don't want spiritual health, they just want to feel good. He said that after working as a physician for seven years, he again resigned, this time to go back to school and become an attorney. He said, people don't want spiritual health. They don't even want physical health. They just want to get even. I remember hearing, uh, I'm going to share the lyrics to a country western song with you. And... um, If you don't like country western music, I'm sorry. Um, I heard this, this is several years ago, I heard this on the radio. It's called I Pray For You by Jaron and the Long Road. And it says, and this tends to be uh, a way that uh, we might want to respond to people that are difficult or have hurt us, etc., etc. He says, I haven't been to church since I don't remember when. Things were going great till they fell apart again. So I listened to the preacher and he told me what to do. He said, you can't go hating others who have done wrong to you. Sometimes we get angry, but we must not condemn. Let the good Lord do his job and you just pray for them. I pray your brakes go out running down a hill. I pray a flower pot falls from a windowsill and knocks you on the head like I'd like to. I pray your birthday comes and nobody calls. I pray you're flying high when your engine stalls. I pray all your dreams never come true. Just know wherever you are, honey, I pray for you. 
I'm really glad I found my way to church because I'm already feeling better and I thank God for the words. Yeah, I'm going to take the high road and do what the preacher told me to do. You keep messing up and I'll keep praying for you. I pray your tire blows out at 110. I pray you pass out drunk with your best friend and wake up with his and her tattoos. I pray your brakes go out running down a hill. I pray, pray a flower pot falls from a windowsill and knocks you in the head like I'd like to. I pray your birthday comes and nobody calls. I pray you're flying high when your engine stalls. I pray all your dreams never come true. Just know wherever you are, near or far, in your house or in your car, Wherever you are, honey, I pray for you. I pray for you. I think he missed something when he was talking to the pastor. But, but listen, that is a culturally appropriate response. I, I probably said this before. You, you probably read a book or watched a movie where there was a real jerk bad guy you could not wait for that bad guy to get his, could you? And when he got it, it was like, yeah! And that tends to be how we we're encouraged to live our lives. So what's the godly response to difficult people? Not the response this guy came up with in his song. First Peter... Chapter 2, verse 12. Live such good lives among the pagans that, though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day He visits us. You know, all of us have suffered ill treatment by another person to one degree or another. Rejection, being ignored, abandoned, betrayed, lied about, ridiculed, generally treated badly, misunderstood, and disrespected. So how do you deal with the difficult cases? Galatians 5, 6 says the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. I don't feel like doing that. Paul tells us at the beginning of this Section, verse 9, that we must love sincerely. And Paul then tells us in this passage that we read today and we'll, we'll explore in the next couple of weeks what it looks like when dealing with people who are difficult, unfriendly, or adversarial. What sincere look, love looks like when we deal with those kinds of folks. So, here's the first point. Choose to speak good to and of your detractors. Choose to speak good to and of your detractors. Verse 14, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Again, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. 1 Peter 3, 9. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do and He will bless you for it. No problem. Yeah. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. We are to bless. The Greek word translated bless in this passage is made up of two words that mean 
speak well. We're to speak well of those who persecute us. The godly response to difficult people is to speak well, to say nice things, build up, honor, and pray for good things and blessings to happen in their lives. It gets real quiet in here sometimes. But folks, there is power in words. God hears our words, all of them. When we speak evil words or say things that hurt, tear down, dishonor, wish evil things on others and discourage, we invite demonic pressure on those we curse. We don't want demonic pressure on them. We want Holy Spirit pressure on them. Right? It's what we want or what we should want. Our natural response too often is to speak evil or wish evil upon the offensive party. Curses are words spoken intended to bring evil or hindrance to someone. And God calls us to do just the opposite. Not curse, but rather bless. Again, First Peter, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Did you hear that? You want to inherit a, ble- inherit a blessing? Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but, but with blessing, so that we might inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil, and keep his lips from deceitful speech. And Jesus adds that we are not only to speak well of others, to others, but about them. We speak well to them and about them. We are to speak well to God about them. Pray for your enemies and those who despitefully use you. We are called to speak well and wish well, not evil, of those who... who pursue or persecute us for whatever reason. Whoever said the Christian life was easy? Paul repeats this instruction to bless. Twice he repeats it. Because it is one of the most critical responses we can have. We must guard our heart, which controls our mouth, which conveys blessing or curse. You know, David had this figured out, although there's some things he says that, what we call them uh, imprecative prayers, where you kind of pray bad things for people. Uh, David did that sometimes. But David also asked God to put a guard over his mouth. (laughs) So maybe he prayed that way, but he didn't say that way. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? In my interactions with those folks, I don't want to put a guard over my mouth. Um, Scripture abounds with passages regarding the power of the tongue in our words. Proverbs 18.21 The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. James 1, 26. 
If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. And then later on in James chapter 3, verses 8 through 12, James says, But no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with, with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water come from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. And he also says in, in verse 2 of James chapter 3, We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man able to keep his whole body in check. If you can control your tongue, he says, you control, control everything else in your life. It's a problem. I see him upon them. And the toughest time to tame the tongue is in the face of persecution or relational turmoil. Turn up the heat and see what happens with the mouth. That's what he's saying here. Once our mouth gets out of control, we've lost the battle and joined the ranks of difficult people ourselves and generally complicate things rather than making them better. We become the very thing we are contending with. Put a guard on your mouth. Ask God to do that, just like David did. Speak well, not ill. And then the second point that that is made here in this passage, this is verse 15, where it says, Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. Identify with their circumstances. In other words, that person that's difficult in your life, identify with their circumstances. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 26, 1 Corinthians 12, 26, Paul writes, If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. To see the connection, the relation, relation with one another or relating to one another in the joys and in the sorrows of life. And we need to make an effort to identify with the, the circumstances that people go through. Um, I think I shared this illustration in Sunday school a couple of weeks ago about the man on the bus with the out-of-control kids. Okay, and they're all over the place and they're making noise and the other passengers on the bus are getting irritated. And finally one of them says to the man, Hey, get your kids under control. He's been kind of staring out the window, kind of a glazed look on his face the whole time and that gets his attention and he says, Oh, I'm sorry. We're just coming from the hospital where their mother died. That takes the air out of the situation real quick, doesn't it? And I'm not saying all circumstances that people are going through are like that, but very often when someone is difficult, there's a reason for that. 
We need to identify with their circumstances. You know, another, respo- uh, another natural response to difficult people is to resent their successes and rejoice when they suffer. <laughs> if things go well for them, our fleshly inclination is disappointment, resentment, and anger. We sense a smug delight when things get difficult for them because we think they got what they deserved. In Proverbs chapter 24, verses 17 and 18, the writer says, Do not gloat when your enemy falls. When he stumbles, do not let your heart rejoice. You know, we thought Paul was the only one who said stuff about this. No, it's all over the place. Do not gloat when your enemy falls. When he stumbles, do not let your heart rejoice. Or the Lord will see and disapprove. And turn away his wrath from them. I'm not going to address this today, but do not take revenge, my friends. Leave that to God. Alright, we'll address that later on in this passage. God instructs us to honestly identify with people in their circumstances. Rejoice with them when they rejoice. Weep with them when they weep. In fact, Paul here is summarizing a whole section on dealing with difficult people. And part of doing that is to try and understand where they're coming from. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, he says, Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Love as brothers. Be compassionate and humble. The word sympathetic here in the Greek, actually means to suffer with. Be sympathetic. Here the Spirit of God instructs us to identify with difficult people. In doing so, we may come to understand why they're difficult. See, difficult people are often struggling with difficult circumstances. So find out what, find out what that might be before you decide to cut them out of your life or engage in an adversarial relationship. Most of us are familiar with the old saying that urges us not to criticize a person until we've walked a mile in their shoes. That's what that's talking about. Try to figure out where they've come from, what they've dealt with. Failure to identify with them, especially if they're believers blocks our divine mission and calling to minister to people in the name of Jesus. You'll never win those you are feuding with. You will never win those you are feuding with or mistreating. Rejoice with their success. Weep with their suffering. I remember going to uh, out to dinner one time. Uh, it was lunchtime. We've all been in a place where we've not gotten good service, haven't we? How do we respond? In this particular case, uh, these people we were with um, were godly people. One of them was a hospital chaplain. Uh, Another 
uh, was on my staff. And uh, we went to this restaurant, and there were issues in the kitchen that day. And so service was really slow. And um, I remember Julie and I, and I'm not saying this to prop us up in any way, but uh, how embarrassed we were by the reaction of the people we were with to our server. We apologized to her on our way out. We left early because we just couldn't take it anymore, honestly. And we said to to each other, do you think they'd be able to invite her to church now? No way. No way. You know, that's... It's not easy, and it takes the work of the Holy Spirit to respond in a godly way in circumstances that are difficult. And this this server was not trying to be difficult. It had nothing to do with her. It wasn't her fault. But even with people who are difficult, God helped me to respond in an appropriate way. And if I keep that thing, if nothing else, if I keep this thought in mind, after my interaction with that difficult person, would I still be able to invite them to my church? Or would I have left such a negative impression on their lives that they would say, no way. You know, one of the things that really bothered me, and I've had this happen before, been in conversation with somebody that knew somebody that was a part of my church, and I would mention their name, or their, their name would come up in their conversation, And something like this would result in that conversation. If that person is in your church, I'll never go there. And you wonder, what's happened? What kind of interaction has occurred between this person I'm talking to and this person that was a part of my church that would cause them to say, if that person is in your church, I'll never go there. And see, that's what this passage of Scripture is about. That's why Paul is, that's why God's telling us this stuff. If we're really going to reach a lost world, listen, we're going to encounter a lot of people that are difficult. And if we stand on the truth of God as we're, we're, going to, we're going to encounter people where there's a lot of resistance. You know something I struggle with? I'll just be honest with you. I kind of have a, a, a certain world view. And there are a lot of people out there in the world we live in who express their world view and their, their political beliefs and things that I disagree with. I really disagree with them. Some of them are family members. Some of them are people that were, uh, well, we've had friendships with over the years, but we're not, they live in a different part of the country than we do. And you know what my tendency is? I don't have any, I don't want to be around them anymore. I don't have anything to do with them. I don't want to engage them in conversation. That's, that's my tendency. And I can't do that. I, I told this story in Sunday school today about uh, our oldest daughter read a book by a woman who used to be the gender studies, a head of gender studies at Syracuse University. She was a practicing lesbian. And she was writing a book that was going to counter what Christians felt about these issues. So she sent out uh, this, some these letters to pastors pastors asking them to respond. 
And you know, she was hoping for, you know, here's the yay here, column, here's the nay column. But she got this one letter from a pastor who didn't respond, didn't, didn't share his point of view. He just asked her a series of questions that made her think. And she wadded that one up and put it in the trash because she couldn't put it in either pile. But eventually she felt, well, she went back and she unfolded it. She read it and, and she called this pastor. And he invited her over to dinner. But he didn't invite her over for a debate. He just invited her over to be a friend. And she began reading the scripture. And she read through the Bible five or six times in a year. And she gave her heart to Jesus. Not because a pastor debated her into it, but because the Holy Spirit worked through the scripture and the kindness of a man who didn't beat her up when he found out that she d- believed differently than he did about some things. She's a pastor's wife now. And you know what her thing is? Hospitality. She says fellowship is what happens among believers when they invite each other to, to lunch or dinner. Hospitality is what happens when you invite someone over who's a stranger to you or doesn't believe the same way you do. That's when the rubber meets the road, huh? That's when we better pay attention to what Paul's saying here. Because the things that come out of people's mouths who disagree with us or don't like us much, or you can go down the list, aren't always always easy to take, but our response is critically important. Do we represent Jesus in those situations or not? That's the question. Is it countercultural? What we read here this morning, what I just shared with you, yes, it is. And it's essential, folks, that the Holy Spirit is working in our lives, in and through us, to respond in the ways that Paul talks about here, because that's the only way it's going to happen consistently. Right? If I get out of those who will be Serving communion this morning, uh, go ahead and come. And as soon as you're ready, go ahead and be, begin distributing the elements.